You're listening to Why Try, the podcast. Jake Pilkington is another young entrepreneur, and I've got to say, I really like interviewing these young people. I always come away from our conversations with great energy and belief that really anything is possible. Jake and I talk about how he got started in his media marketing business, as well as his early ventures, his failures, and his attitudes about entrepreneurship in general. I hope you'll enjoy it. Culture media is something I started pretty much because I felt like I didn't really have an option. I, I've always had companies since I was a little kid, and culture media is kind of something that I was just, it just kind of came to me. Last winter, I was just laying in bed uh, watching, like I told you uh, yesterday, that uh, I was watching Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, and for those of you that don't know who that is, uh, he's, uh, he's uh, an entrepreneur. He's the CEO of a $100 million company called VaynerMedia. Um, and so I just love the guy. I love the energy, what he does, everything like that, how he interacts with people, how he treats people. And so that's pretty much what I want to be like. And so I thought, like, what better way to be like him than to start a company the same way and pretty much grow with that. So that's how I started Culture Media. You can look into that or uh, we just do digital media marketing, pretty simple stuff, but we focus on targeting like small brands and small business locally and then some, some around the country. How did you get your first few clients for that? It was pretty much, I started the idea and I had exactly what I wanted to offer, how I wanted it to look online, like the website, this and that, but I wasn't really sure how I wanted to go about getting new clients. So I thought, I thought about mailers. I thought about, you know, doing stuff in the mail, doing stuff in the newspaper. And then I was like, well, I mean, I'm a digital media marketing agency. What would be better than to market my company on social media? So I started DMing these small brands and companies on Instagram, sending a direct message. At the time, it was winter break. And so I was kind of just staying up all night for about a week, two weeks, and doing nothing but just sending messages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just saying, hey, I just started this company. I, I'd say that I know what I'm talking about, but I'd love the opportunity to learn and kind of grow my company as well as help grow yours on social media. And so eventually, eventually, after I'd say probably 200 direct messages, I finally got one that sent me an email back. And, and they're, they're a pretty small apparel company out of Dallas, Texas called Riz Apparel. This, this lady was a graphic designer. She had her other job. And then she started this apparel company on the side and she wanted it to grow. And so basically what I did is, and I never had any formal training, anything like that. I was just doing what I saw or what I saw VaynerMedia do. So I started running ads for them on Facebook and uh, using hashtags and targeting specific people on Instagram. And we slowly, slowly, slowly grew their Instagram account from like a few hundred followers to a few thousand within a few weeks. And then slowly they started to see that um, the uh, ROI of going with us and, and growing in sales um, on their website. Eventually, we kind of split up with them because there wasn't much more that we could do. They were, they were um, only a local company and they couldn't handle the production of hundreds of orders per month. So we kind of split away from them, wanted to slow down a little bit. And then that's when I started getting back on Instagram a little bit, searching for more brands. And, and so I finally hooked Hoopswag, uh, which you know, I know you interviewed Brennan, um, but, uh, but they do custom socks and apparel and stuff like that for basketball teams. Pretty much they, they design socks that go with shoe releases. So they coordinate with each other, grew his Instagram account, ran a few ads for him. I mean, pretty much the same thing as we did for Riz Apparel, but for a company that did over a million in revenue in 2016. So that was, that was crazy for me to think about doing. 
but right now, as as you know, we're uh, trying to to grow drastically. So, how did you get the skills to where you felt like you could add value in this area? I would say that, I mean, you don't necessarily need any skills. It's just about consistency. And uh, if 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 you were talking about um, gaining an audience on social media, it pretty much just takes like quality content and uh, and consistent posting and this and that. I mean. Providing your followers value or something that they want to look at or that they're going to stop scrolling just to look at this, that's something, that's something that I try to incorporate in the thesis of Culture Media is to just produce something or make something that catches the attention of somebody. So I wouldn't say that you necessarily have to take a class or have to have any qualifications to do that. I mean, if you're creative and you know what you're talking about, then, then yeah, you can roll with that. When you were pitching new clients, did you feel like it was ever harder because of your age, like having that credibility to pitch people with? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it, there, Riz Apparel wasn't the first company to say yes to me, but there, there were other brands that, uh, that then they would look at my personal Instagram, see that, that uh, at the time I was a junior in high school, and they'd say, oh, we're not, you know, we're not, giving, we're not giving hundreds, thousands of dollars to this kid to run our marketing they're just, you know, probably skeptical of what I could provide. You know, looking back, I think, looking back as if that was so long ago, I think that that I would have done the same thing if I was in their position. But in all reality, I, I think that most business owners have to realize that they're, most of them, they don't really know anything about Facebook, Instagram, so besides posting what they're talking about. So yeah, I mean, I, I did find it difficult when I uh, when I first started out, but now that I'm now that I'm slowly, slowly, slowly starting to gain a little bit more experience, my age is starting to become irrelevant. Yeah, that's good. You have a little bit more of a resume you could point to. Right. Yes, sir. Yeah. So in terms of growing, have you started hiring other people to help you with this yet? No, no. My, my plan for Culture Media is, uh, is within about six months, I want to be able to be bringing enough revenue to, to get an office space um, offsite outside of my bedroom, uh, <laughs> and then uh, and then eventually from there, then we can start working on hiring some part time people. I do contract out a few things. We offer web design and stuff like that, and I don't know how to code, so I do contract that work out to a few people that I have, you know, just kind of on call specifically for that. I have a few graphic designers that I call whenever I need something, but nobody working full time. No. What do you think is the biggest thing you need to do to make that happen? I would say just keep doing what I'm doing. I mean, eventually the grind is going to pay off and, and the more business I bring in, the more capital resources I'll have for my company and then I'll be able to, to deploy those and, and, and hire new employees, I guess. Okay, sure. Is there anything that has surprised you most since starting this journey? Surprised me most? It's incredibly hard to get people to say yes to you. It's, I did not think that it would be nearly as difficult as it has proven to be. My whole life, I feel like I, I could work towards something and then eventually I'll get it. But it seems like, and I don't know if it's because of my age or maybe I'm doing something wrong. But, you know, again, that's, that's the beauty of it is eventually I'll, I'll slowly start to gain more insight into exactly what I should be doing. But um, it, it is incredibly difficult to get people to actually say yes to me. I mean, I, I know what I can provide and I know exactly the steps to take to give them value and bring them more sales, but to just sell them on that idea is incredibly difficult. What do you think has worked well in getting those first few people to buy in? I think the personalization of it, of me actually 
typing out with my thumbs a a, a long three four paragraph message to them explaining or extending my interest in working um, for them and kind of providing value to them and basically selling them on the idea that I can bring them something and not not them bring me value. Does that make sense? I feel like all these companies they are lacking on the whole personalization of it. It's all commercialized. So I think I think that the personalization of me actually typing out these individual emails and sending to each individual small business owner definitely has worked for me in the past. And then on the content production side, what do you think makes for great marketing for your clients? Great marketing. I want to capture the idea. Um, when I when I head into a new project, I want to capture pretty much the thesis or the whole the whole theme of the company and, and what they're trying to go for. So we'll sit down and we'll say, we'll define exactly where they want to be in the time period. And then we kind of just, we kind of just reverse engineer that and take the steps needed to get to that spot instead of working up to it, if that makes sense. A marketing strategy. Exactly. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, we offer, we offer six services. They all kind of integrate with each other. So if you're getting one, you're getting two or three, or if you're getting all of them, then you're getting all of them and you're getting the most value. So so how much work do you have to do up front before you can say to a client, hey, pay me? It's a lot of work. I spend a lot of late nights just researching. I like to provide the personalization, like I said. So I, I try to research these companies as much as I can. I have softwares that kind of, they go down deep into these websites and find the embedded emails in them. Um, that way I'm not emailing like info at so-and-so brand name. I'm emailing, you know, Adam at so-and-so brand name, you know what I mean? So it takes a lot of research, preliminary research, and then from there I can slowly start to see the flaws of their websites, the flaws of their social media accounts, and then kind of backtrack and think, well, what can I give them? And then that's how I personalize the email. I don't, I don't offer all six services in one email. I'll offer one or two. And then from there it's just communicating with them and, and slowly – making many phone calls and many emails back and forth, trying to sell them on the idea. And then finally, when you get them sold, contracts, account information, and then finally, the dollars start coming in. So it definitely pays off, especially in the next coming weeks when I can put a tab on my website that says previous work. And so slowly, I think that the more business I get up front, then the easier it'll be to sell people on the idea in the future. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So kind of jumping tracks a little bit. What does success look like to you personally and professionally? Um, personally, um, I'd say I just want to, this is so funny because I had a, like a four hour conversation with one of my best friends the other night about this. I just want to be happy in life. So I don't, I don't need a big house and a bunch of cars and this and that. I mean, I, I personally, I, I want a big family and, uh, and I just want everybody in my family to be satisfied and happy. And, and so I feel like entrepreneurship is my gateway to pretty much making a lot of money so that I can provide for my family and uh, making a lot of money and then also having the freedom to, you know, go to my daughter's dance recital or, or do this and that and not be so tied down to a nine to five, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then, and then professionally, I'd say, I'd say something cliche. It might make me sound like a like a jerk, but uh, but they say money can't buy happiness. I completely disagree. I've never I've never <laughs> seen anybody that's riding on a jet ski that isn't happy.
I think that was one of my favorite lines. You like read Pearls Before Swine, like that comic. Uh-huh. He, like, yeah. he uses that, I think, exact example. That's of, where I uh, found it, yeah. <laughs> You're uh, on right. Yeah, there's definitely some areas, uh, like jet skis are one of them, where that just uh, seems like it really brings a lot of enjoyment to people's lives for not yeah. a huge amount of money. I mean, they're uh, a lot cheaper than like a car even, I think. So in terms of like entrepreneurship, it sounds like the freedom aspect is really important to you. Exactly. Yeah, it's the gateway, I think. Gary Vaynerchuk always says that, you know, when when you're doing what you want to be doing, then you're happiest. And that makes a lot of sense to me. And that's pretty much what I strive for every day. So in terms of taking kind of an unconventional approach to life, what do you think about college? That is a difficult question in my household. Now that I'm kind of slowly getting to that point, I will be the first person in my family to go to college. Not my extended family, like my I have cousins in college and stuff like that, but neither of my parents went to college. And so I feel a lot of pressure to go. And uh, I want to go, but not necessarily for academics. I want to go to kind of network and just experience that part of my life. So yeah, so I will be going to college. I've already been accepted into a few universities. Haven't made a decision yet. But yeah, I, in terms of will I be graduating that university, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you've thought through a lot more than a lot of people. I think the value of that education is for you. You're not just doing right. it because you're supposed to do it. I think you. it sounds like you've really put a lot of thought into it, which I think is healthy. Like Whatever your decision is, I think that's a really good thing to do. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of your previous entrepreneurial ventures? You know, it's really weird to think back um, about my previous ventures because nobody's ever taught me. I didn't even know what the word entrepreneur meant. I didn't even hear it until I think sixth or seventh grade. When I was 12, 13 years old, I didn't even hear it. Slowly started to learn what it was. But it was in third grade. And of course, all throughout my childhood, just like everybody else, I had lemonade stands. I sold cookies at the grocery store, like all that little stuff, you know, just for just for a little bit of money. Um, but it wasn't until third or fourth grade that I started to kind of be attracted to the idea of being in charge and not being like a bossy little sassy kid, but but the responsibility of it. And so ever since I was a little kid, all my teachers have always said that I've just always been a natural leader. Like whenever we play army on the playground in kindergarten, I'd always be the general. Um, and none of us knew what that was. And so it, was, it wasn't until third grade that I, now that I look back, I realized that it actually, I feel like is just in me. Nobody ever, nobody's ever taught me it. I never took a class before, like two years ago. My first company was in 2009. And if anybody's familiar with tech decks, um, they're the little fingerboard skateboard things. So my friends and I were always we were very, very into those. And as we slowly started to get better and better at them, we'd break them because we'd, we'd do our tricks so extreme that they'd break on the sides of tables when we go to grind or you know do a kickflip and it falls on the ground and it breaks or the trucks fall off. So I was kind of getting annoyed with it. So one of my friends made the first one and I was like, whoa, this is insane. And so I took what he made and I made it better and slowly started to make the same kind of thing, the tech deck fingerboard thing. Instead, we made it out of construction paper, and then we, we would lather it with wood lacquer. It's just like a hardening gel, kind of protective kind of thing. So we'd put that on the outside of it, and it made them hard as rocks. And so they would never break, and we, we tested them. Of course, we were little kids. We tried to break them. 
didn't work. And uh, so then I went to the skate shop and local skate shop and I bought some grip tape, which is a sandpaper on top. And I traced out the little boards, taped the grip tape on top, cut holes, took the trucks and the wheels from the tech decks and, and screwed them onto my new fingerboards. And then there uh, I started my first company called Game Over. It's funny because I still have the notebook and stuff that I you know wrote down everybody's name and defined everybody's position. Of course, I was CEO and president and, and my friend Noah was vice president and we didn't even know what that meant. So nobody knew the concept of, of these boards. And so I was literally selling these for like $20 to my friends. Like they would go to their parents and say, hey, I want to buy this thing. And their parents would give them 20 bucks. And How much um, does a normal tech deck cost? <laughs> probably say $5 for a tech deck at Walmart. And so these things, these things probably cost me, I guess if I made them now and if it was a real business, I could probably make one for like 30 cents, 20, 30 cents. And so I was selling to my friends for like $10, $20. And then I was paying my employees cash um, through envelopes and I'd write their name on the front, give them to them in class and... And so, uh, so yeah, that was my that was my first company. I ran with that for a few years, and obviously, as I got older, it slowly started to die down. And since then, it's been uh, selling on eBay, various other fingerboard companies. I've tried and failed starting a clothing company last year, and then a few months after that, starting an online men's consignment shop, which also failed. Uh, <laughs> So and then and then it was at that point that I started Culture Media. So how do you think about failure? It doesn't seem like it's kept you down at all. No, absolutely not. No, failure is failure is uh, motivation to me. I think that I think that all my real world experience and stuff and kind of the thing that sets me apart from others is is the fact that that I go out there and try things. I'm not as sheltered as the majority of people I know. And so I go out there and I try things. I fail, I fall down and make mistakes, get in trouble, scrape my knees and get back up and keep trying and just do it better. So, yeah. Good for you. So why do you think some people are entrepreneurial and other people aren't? I think you got to be born with it. Like Brennan said, because I was listening to his podcast with you today, he said that, you know, you can take all these classes. Entrepreneurship is kind of viewed uh, socially as like the, the loser career. Like if you can't do anything else, then you just go do your own thing. So I kind of, I feed off of that. I love that whole vibe about it because, because if you look at some of the biggest people today, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Cuban, um, so, many pe- so many people that everybody knows their name, um, but they don't know that they're entrepreneurs and they got and they got there by doing their own thing and not listening to other people. So I think that I think that a lot of it has to do with how you were raised. Then the majority of it is you got to be born with it. You can't just go take a class called Entrepreneurship 101 and all of a sudden you're, you know, Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos or it's all about thinking. I think you got to be born with it, really. So what do you think the traits are that make someone a great entrepreneur? rebellion <laughs> pretty much just going against the status quo if you would and and just doing your own thing i mean like i said before failure is failure is always an option and and there's nothing wrong with that so i guess it kind of takes somebody that's fearless to to want to do their own thing and not give a shit what other people say and so what advice do you have for people who are thinking about starting their own business go for it anybody that has even two percent of of a thought that they want to do their own thing or make their own money even if that's selling this stuff that you don't use on ebay um i would just say go for it 
So how many hours a week do you spend working currently? I do spend a lot of time on my laptop sending emails and doing that preliminary research that we talked about before. I spend a lot of time in class doing that. It's senior year, so I've built my schedule so that I have slots in my day that I can literally just sit there and just be on my computer the whole time. In one of my things, I'm, I'm like an aide for a department of my school. Um, and so I, I have a desk with a phone. So I use that phone a lot. There's no service in my school, which is kind of difficult. And then I stay up pretty late at night. So I'd say this might be like an exaggeration, but I'd say probably like I don't want to say like 50 hours because I don't, I mean, I don't work 50 hours, you know, cause it's all interruption and, uh, eating and, you know, going on a different site and watching YouTube videos. And I don't know, I, I spend a lot of time, I'd say probably about like 50% of my time, you know, thinking about strategy for culture media or working on getting new prospective clients. So what would you be doing with your time if you had an extra hour every day? If I could actually wake up to my alarm, like if, if it could actually wake me up, um, then I would, I would start working out every single day and just kind of, just kind of building upon that. That way I don't, you know, fall behind everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. If I had an extra hour in the day, I'd, I'd work out in the mornings. How would you say your journey has impacted your personal life? I'd say that the majority of things that I'm doing now weren't like that the past five years, I guess, of my life or like four or five, whatever. You know, middle school was really rough. It's really rough for everybody. But it kind of just threw me on the ground and kind of just stepped on who I truly was. And so then it wasn't until a couple years ago that I slowly started to realize exactly like, like what I enjoy most. And so from there, I just reorganized everybody in my life. And I dropped a lot of people and I picked up a few new people. And, and so everybody that's in my life today is there because they like what I'm doing right now. And Everybody that's there wants to be there. So personally, I think that when I finally decided that I'm just going to do what I want to do and not listen to everybody else is the moment that I kind of just started to become more like myself, like, like I was when I was a little kid. And this is kind of weird to ask you because uh, you're so young. Do you think you would ever want to re retire or stop working? Yes. I, I think that I'm so motivated right now because I'm so young. Also, keep in mind, I mean, I love the fact that people, because all I ever hear is, oh, you got your whole life in front of you. Slow down. Be patient. I think Gary, Gary V always says, macro patience, where, you know, I, I don't necessarily want Culture Media to be a $100 million company tomorrow, but micro speed. So I'm still working as much as I can on, on as much as I can and expanding always. Yeah, I would say I would say that once once my once kids my are grown kids up, up and uh, and I'm making enough money, then yeah, I would slow down. I would probably not officially retire. Like I'd probably still be working on something, but I I might I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's up to my forty year old self. The time between now and forty is longer than you've been alive total, so I know, and that's so weird to think about. I mean, I am so young but I feel so old. You know, it's kind of, it's hard to think about, but it's also cool. Like I'm, I'm not really down about the fact that I just turned 18. I mean, because if I live my entire life over again, I'm still not 40, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a pretty great situation to be in for sure. Do you have any favorite books or resources that, that you've really enjoyed? It could even be just like be fun movies that you just really like. 
so I guess the biggest influence in my life that that really made me start to be interested in doing my own thing um, is my uncle because um, he's always been he's always been into stocks and money and stuff. And so actually, this is cool. He gave me this book, and keep in mind, uh, I was like nine or ten when he gave me this book, and so it's called uh, it's called Everyone's Money Book, and so okay. it's actually right here, which is weird that you just asked me about it. Um, but he said that he said that once I read this, then I'll understand everything about stocks. I've always been interested in the stocks and the market and the economy. So he has been a big influence on me. Like I said, Gary Vaynerchuk has been a huge influence on me and all these modern day entrepreneurs. I mean, I love, you know, just, just, uh, absorbing all the information and lessons that they have to give. We're kind of wrapping it up here. Do you want to give yourself a quick plug for your business? Do a little marketing here? I would tell anybody that, uh, that's watching this, if you're a small business owner, it doesn't necessarily have to be locally. If you're a small business owner, preferably in America, um, <laughs> and, uh, and you're struggling with your sales or um, struggling with integrating your marketing system from TV, radio ads, local ads to social media and reaching new people, I'd say to, I'd say to go to that link that Nick is going to pin and uh, and let us know what we can do for you. I mean, like I said before, I'm I'm a big people person, and so I'd love to connect with the owner, the manager, whoever's in charge of marketing personally, and just see exactly what we can help with, what you need new in your company and new insight. And so, yeah, I, I also say check out my personal page, which is at Jake Pilkington. So I'm sure that's going to be on there too. Well, thanks for taking the time. I had a good time talking to you. Awesome, man. Then I, I appreciate it so much. Thank you. You can find links to Jake's business, Culture Media, in the show notes. I've got to say again, I really admire these fearless people who don't need permission from anyone to start doing things, and I love getting inspired by them. I started this podcast originally to explore the key traits of entrepreneurs, and I think fearlessness has got to be one of them. Not so much that people like the guests I interview on this podcast are never afraid, but that they understand that their journey doesn't end with a single failure or setback, and they just keep going and going until they succeed. Music for this podcast is by Cambrian Explosion, who were once thought to have gotten trapped in the Helix Nebula, but it turns out they were just enjoying the pretty colors and stuff. They're back safely in Portland, Oregon these days and are still churning out some great music. You can find their stuff at cepdx.bandcamp.com and on Apple iTunes and Spotify. Lastly, if you like the podcast, help me expand the audience by sharing it with one friend and by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.